Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, head over to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. I just uploaded a uh, video performance I did out in the woods when I went camping. I'm also going to be uh, uploading a pretty thorough uh, walkthrough of the new module that I'm going to be releasing early next year with Afterlayer Audio. But most importantly, I made some cassette tapes that I dubbed and then I, uh, I painted the packaging myself and did a painting for the, uh, the cover. Also got a bunch of cables. I've got some cool blank panels. One of them is a Waveform Magazine blank panel and it's got Heinbach on the other side, so that's pretty cool. Recovery Effects Resist blank panel. I also have some 3U to 1U module adapters. Some iron-on patches, one from Needham Woodworks. Waveform Magazine patch. And then uh, finally, I've got some really cool Pod Mod posters. The artwork here that uh, John Herndon did. Those will come with Bandcamp download codes on the back. I've also got just so many stickers from pretty much any synth company you can think of. And there might be some other goodies. So if you want to be uh, aware of when that happens, head over to patreon.com forward slash modcast. Welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held. This week we have Robert Fantinato from Waveshaper Media. They brought you uh, the legendary film, I Dream of Wires. And Robert is back to talk about his new film, Sabotnik, Portrait of an Electronic Music Pioneer. We have a great discussion and we are going to get into that momentarily. But first, I just wanted to show you that there are some screening dates coming up in the near future, and uh, you can find a screening on the website, or you can book a screening on the website. And of course, that link is in the show description. All right, it's that time of the week again. Let's head over to patchworks.com and check out the used and vintage section. Well, there's a used Jomox X-Base 09. I was actually playing with this the other day while I was in there. It's pretty sweet. Noise Engineering, Ataraxic, Iteritas. That's a super fun instrument to play. Oh, the uh, Dopefer A160 clock divider, 60 bucks. I use this religiously. It does not come out of my case. Desktop Profit 10. God, I'd love to have one of those. You guys, the keytar is still there. Oh, but you know what isn't there anymore? I caved. I got the, uh, I got the Octopad, guys. I did it. I'll stop bugging you about it. 
But yes, head over to Patchworks. That's P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S dot com. Got a couple shows coming up in the not-too-distant future. In fact, this coming Sunday, 11-26, if you're in the Tacoma area, I'll be playing at Real Art Tacoma with Runati, Pentacles, and Lousy Falcon. My good buddy, David Lutz, $10, advance 15 at the door. It is all ages, I believe, all night. Yeah, it's all ages, all night. Um, and yeah, that should be pretty fun. I will also be playing in Everett, Washington, Saturday, December 9th at the Lucky Dime uh, with Fortress, Changing Bodies, Max Steven, Null State, Echo Base One, Echo, Echo Base One, and Quill. Another way you can support Podular Modcast is head on over to podularmodcast.com and go to the store section. It's wintertime and all of our heads get cold in the wintertime. And look at all these awesome beanies and hoodies to keep us warm. There's all sorts of other fun stuff, perfect for the holidays. Who doesn't want Podular Modcast stuff for Christmas? Uh, But yeah, that's one way you can support the show. All right, let's get into this episode. Robert, thank you so much uh, for your time today. It's awesome to uh, finally meet you and yeah, we we have some some cool stuff to talk about today. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, so we're we're mainly here to talk about the new uh, Morton Sabotnik film that uh, that you that you ha- it's been in the can for a bit, I think, but is about to premiere. Um, and you also did I Dream of Wires, correct? Oh, a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of wanted to start there because when I started this show now almost six years ago um that had already been out but i think it was already out for a a handful of years by that point and i i'd um you know obviously like right when i got into modular that was one of the first purchases i got it on dvd and you know i think a lot of people um you know who started their modular journey within the last you know last five to eight ten years i think that that was a I mean, it was like the only thing that was around for people to watch to really, you know, nerd out on something that they were so excited about. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to first off say that uh, I'm a huge fan of, of that film. And, um, yeah, it's that's so cool Great. Excellent. that it exists. Yeah, and, we, um, we, we kind of did that. My partner, uh, well, uh, Jason Am is the guy I work with uh, on all these projects, and he's also, uh, I'm not, a, I mean, I'm an amateur musician. I dabble in this stuff, but I don't, I don't dare think of myself as a, you know, an actual musician. But Jason Am <laughs> is, uh, also goes by the name of Solvent. And if you're into uh, synth pop, he's probably, well, he's my personal favorite uh, okay. artist who works in that genre these days. And, uh, uh, definitely worth checking out. I, I think, you know, I originally approached him to do the soundtrack, but he ended up uh, becoming the producer because he had so many connections in the music world. And we started that project back in 2010. So we were really at the beginnings. I mean, it wasn't the beginning, but it was, but it was, right where it was just, it was yeah. just starting to get into the mainstream a bit. So we caught that. And I think we were, I, I, I would uh, not hesitate to say we had some effect on making them a bit more mainstream because the film caught the attention, for example, of Roland. Roland ordered 40 copies of the film and it went everywhere. And shortly afterwards, they started putting out Eurorack stuff. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you had Trent Reznor on it, which that couldn't have hurt. Um, So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of, awesome, yeah. yeah, that is amazing. I kind of wanted to just to kind of get the history on that. Like what was the inception of the idea and then, you know, how, you know, follow through to, to finishing and then, and then up to present, you know? Yeah, it was actually, um, well, I'll give you a bit of my personal history, my connection with synthesizers. Uh, it really started when I, when I had my very first job at the public library. Um, I grew up in the suburbs, but the record collection in the suburban libraries were actually sent from the central branch. And I think there was someone very enlightened <laughs> working in the downtown branch because they sent a copy of Switched on Bach and also uh -huh. Morton, Morton Subotnik's Sidewinder. Okay. And oh, really I, those, I just those, picked that up. I haven't listened to yeah, it yet, but I found it on vinyl and I want to, I'm, oh, I'm great. excited yeah. to check it out. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing piece of music, but so out there, even by today's standards, I know a lot of people would find listening to Mort's music pretty difficult. And so at that <laughs> age, I was exposed really to the two sides of, you know, where electronic music went. It, it was on one hand, uh, you know, a, a new sound palette that, musicians you know established musicians you know could use to add to what they were already doing on the other hand it you know Mort was like the original bedroom producer and, and what he was doing is very much punk aesthetic you know it was mm -hmm. a device that anyone could use to express themselves musically without having musical training so having those two things that just was always in the back of my mind and you know in the 80s uh you know i used to play since uh had a couple of analog synths which i still have a um, sequential circuits pro one and a Korg poly six i had i still have those two synths, and i used to play uh you know skinny puppy covers and craftwork <laughs> covers with my friends uh -huh. and, and uh also some original stuff and you know then i kind of gave up music for a very very long time uh you know it was basically working in the film business and as an editor and doing technical stuff and uh, how I got back into it was my older son, uh, my son Aiden, who, um, you know, we started, he started getting interested in music and we started dabbling with some virtual sense and doing some digital stuff. And then one day he sent me a picture of a brand new Buchla 200E system, which is this gigantic, uh -huh. um, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, I haven't seen anything like that since you know i was a kid and you know i had never had experience with modular since it was always just you know analog keyboards and then some digital stuff and then kind of getting back into it was all the uh virtual stuff you know laptop stuff and i was like wow people are still making you know i started you know thinking this was so interesting that people were making modular gear again and, and i started looking into it and it just i thought it was such a fascinating thing and it reminded me a bit of the revival that was going on with vinyl around that time, people getting right, back into vinyl, yeah. just this idea of sort of going back to earlier technologies, that there were definitely some, some things about those technologies that we lost when we gave them up. And um, I just became interested in it. And, and the only other um, documentary film stuff I did myself, I had made a short film a few years earlier called Echoes of Forgotten Places, which was all about um, urban exploration. Oh, it cool. Was, I think one of the first films about that nowadays, I mean, it's all over YouTube. Uh -huh. uh, but I had made this uh, short film. This was like 20, gosh, when would it, this would have been, wow, so long ago, 2004. Okay. And um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed doing that. I mean, I wasn't really a filmmaker. I was more in the technical side, but I thought this is kind of an interesting topic to look into. And so it never was supposed to be as big as it got. It right, started yeah. off just <laughs> kind of, um, I went to see uh, the only guy I knew uh, here in Toronto that was making this stuff was Bruce Duncan, who uh, was responsible for ModCan. ModCan is this very yeah. high-end stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he had made some Euro stuff later, but at the time when I went to see him, I think he was just starting to design some Euro rack stuff. He was still making this sort of full size uh, System A and System B. It was his own proprietary stuff. He had built equipment for uh, Daft Punk and uh, Dead Mouse and all. You know, so uh, he was the only guy I knew, and I just went to see him and shoot some stuff, and, and then. Um, just kind of snowballed it uh, got so that's that's what modular does to people right (laughs) well the film kind of did the same thing and uh, yeah 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 (laughs) what ended up up happening is um it went from a very small thing to something big almost overnight because i had put together sort of a teaser reel but i wasn't going to show anybody and i ended up sharing it with the folks at uh, i think it was matrix synth the website matrix synth and uh he went and posted it um you know, it wasn't really supposed to be posted, but it got a huge reaction and suddenly it really took off and everybody started getting interested in the project. And uh, Morton Sabonic was one of the earlier interviewees, actually. He was one of the first people I went to see back in 2010. Um, and just having him on the roster uh, right away gave the film some credibility. And then a lot of other people started coming on board and I got to meet all my heroes, John Fox, from Ultravox and his solo stuff, which is totally pivotal in my life, and Gary Newman, and um, you know all these people is pretty crazy. That is so, <laughs> so cool. That, that was a lot of fun, and um, I've I've met so. I mean, every time I I run into somebody and the discussion about synths comes up, they've all seen the film. It's pretty amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, and. I kind of um, I have like two directions I want to go with this, um, but like first off, like so you you know that film, you know that that I would you know modular has like had these waves of like you know its resurgence or whatever you know with with Eurorack becoming you know um, not like an official format but you know like multiple companies making stuff and um, you know I would say in the last six, seven years has seen another spike after that initial like run. And I feel like your film was, you know, it contributed to that first spike. Um, I'm curious, like how, like what is your, what is your perspective or take on the state of modular since that film was released up until today? Well, I think it's, it's really more become just a, uh, tool uh, for music makers uh, as opposed to sort of a curiosity that seemed to be more like a hobby. I think it's mm-hmm. definitely, um, you know, become a, a tool that's that you see a lot of people using. Uh, I mean, one of the original briefs I had when I was kind of putting together the I Dream of Wires project was, you know, that this was a curious kind of activity by non-musicians. And in fact, a lot of people we talked to were not really musicians and just loved, it was almost like a, a, a form of therapy or, or a sort of mm-hmm. med- 
education, you know, to do this stuff. But now it's, it's, you know, it seems like it's just a tool that's used by a lot of mainstream musicians and it's really become, you know, just another, another sound palette source for people. So I, I, I'm, you know, honestly, I'm not really sure what's going on with the non-musicians anymore. Since I made the film, I'm, I'm, I've kind of moved on. I haven't really been paying attention to what's going on in the forums and, you know, all that sort of subculture or going to synth meets. I don't really do that stuff anymore. Uh, after we finished the film, um, got, you know, I got sort of pulled off in other directions. I mean, I, I still have Eurorack stuff myself and, uh, I, I, you know, I'm still trying to do some music projects, but uh, the film stuff is just kind of overwhelming right now. So, yeah. I'm well, you're about sure. to be I mean, really pulled back into that subculture, I think with the release of this film. Yeah. I mean, although, um, yeah, I, although the the I, the focus of Subotnik is not so much gear oriented for sure. That's true. That's and, true. Yeah, and, and in fact, in some ways, it's not particularly orientated towards exploring his music in particular because um, you know his music is is still pretty difficult for most people, and it's really more about his life philosophy and his ideas around art and living a good life. Uh, I think. Mm-hmm that's really what the focus is. And I'm hoping it's going to have some mainstream appeal in that way. Well, I love that because, um, you know, starting the show, I, you know, I, I started it because, you know, I, I caught the bug and I just really wanted to talk to people who actually wanted to engage in conversations about, you know, modular rather than just be talked at by, you know, a nerd who just found a new thing to be into. And, um, you know, I'm, of course I still like gear and it's, it's, but you know, that's the tool side and I'm, I'm much more interested in the artistic side. And I too have talked a lot about, you know, how it, this format of, of, you know, creative expression has led to personal and spiritual, if you will, growth for myself. And I've, I've, I've had a lot of people share that sentiment or say that in their own way. So I'm, I'm really happy to see this film doing what you just described and, and not just being, you know, like for the in crowd, as far as, you know, like this is a super esoteric thing and then you have to be in on something to know, like you like a more wide uh, appeal. And with somebody like, you know, more, it's just, you know, there's a handful of people out there right now who, who deserve this kind of film to be made about them, you know, and, and, and more people I feel need to learn about Mort and his influence. And uh, like you said, it's life philosophy and everything. So um, yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. And, and I'm really excited to see how the, the world, you know, takes it in and embraces it, you know, especially our, our community, uh, the modular community. Um, so do you have any, what, what, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got a, uh, I mean, I think he's quite surprised by how interest in him has, has really spiked recently. When I mm-hmm. went to see him in 2010, he had just after 20 years of more or less, not a lot of people really interested in what he was up to told me that he's getting all these requests from people to come and play and he doesn't really know how he fit how to fit in because he'd be getting requests to play at different uh festivals electronic music festivals and he would sort of listen to what people were doing he said he didn't feel he belonged there at all Mm -hmm. but people seem to it's gone to sort of you know he's kind of an oddity to now 
I think there's an audience that really actually understands what he's about and what he was trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's definitely evolved. And I, I, um, I think, uh, you know, it's really great that we were able to, um, to do this film at this stage in his life. I mean, he is 90, but uh, it's still some spry ways and st- you know, like it's, it's amazing. He's actually, uh, I'm actually picking him up tomorrow at the airport here in Toronto because he's doing a show and then we're going to be showing the film on Friday. Nice. Uh, That's and cool. he's, um, yeah, he's determined to keep going. That is, <laughs> he's really it's so an inspiration funny. to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I'm going to try to tackle this, this wide idea here. Uh, so forgive me if it's not so eloquent, but you know, what you just described with the, with him kind of, you know, being more of an obscure figure for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, later in his life, um, this kind of resurgence, uh, I've talked to Suzanne Chiani a couple times. Oh, yeah. She's had a similar story. And I think, you know, not, not that, you know, Suzanne's a little different cause she kind of went into the new age thing for a while and got a new audience. And then, you know, was, she was also, she has expressed many times, not just to me, but, um, publicly how grateful and but like surprised she was that all these new younger people were coming out for the stuff that she at up to that point didn't feel that she was very known for um and i think it's it's really strange to me i've I've been thinking about this a lot just you know go do doing the show over the last six years talk to you know 200 plus people um it's strange, you know, like with, with the modular stuff, especially the Buchla stuff, but you know, Wendy Carlos doing this stuff with, with the, the, the Moog and that whole side, um, back to, you know, your, um, your John cages and then you, you know, Pauline Oliveros, like all these very, very like forward thinking, innovative, like w- figures that were shaping the musical art to come down the pipeline, but then we get this digital stuff that comes in and it, and it's exciting because it's new and it's like, Oh, look, you can get a trumpet sound. It doesn't sound anything like trumpets, you know, but then with the nature of how digital um, technology gets, has this exponential growth, I feel like we fell out of love with that in, you know, a couple decades. And then we wanted to have this, almost pick up where I, I don't want to say we because it more, but more of just a collective artistic musical community kind of picked, wait, all right, we, we have the best samples in the world. We can hit a button on our keyboard and make it sound like an orchestra. That's not so interesting anymore. So now this other stuff gets picked up and it's just so it like, it's heartwarming and it's, and it's cool to see that these people who, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but like from my perspective, looking back, we're, we're like almost like left behind by this thing that almost, I wouldn't say it kind of, it, it, it halted the progression. It, 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 it put a roadblock up on the paths that they were forging for, you know, creative expression through electronic music. Um, and it's just cool to see them get their comeuppance for lack of a better word or, you know, like it's just an interesting phenomenon, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think, well, you know, the internet, um, 
has opened up everything. It's so easy to get into everything. And I, you know, I see young people all the time walking around with Joy Division t-shirts and stuff. It's pretty cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, they get to sort of explore on their own where the origin of this stuff comes from. And if you look deep enough, if you're into Aphex Twin, you're going to eventually end up at more, I think. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think it's really exciting that, that, uh, this awareness is, is, uh, happening. You know, the curious thing, of course, I mean, Mort was involved in, in, uh, digital, um, exploration, exploring electronic music digitally way early. I mean, he was, he was at the, um, IRCAM, um, center at, in Paris working with, um, uh, PDP six computer or whatever it was that they had there. And, uh, you know, working in digital, you know, for years and years. Um, but I think, you know, the, I think what it's, what's attracting people, of course, to the analog stuff is just that, that immediacy. And, uh, it's kind of curious because, um, Mort had, uh, gotten back into using the Buchla, the 200E, um, and had been using it up till, uh, I had seen him a few years ago when we wrapped up shooting with the film and he had proclaimed that he was retiring, Mm. but he didn't retire, and this new piece of his is actually uh, completely off his laptop. Oh, cool. And what he's doing is he's got um, dozens of um, virtual Buchla complex oscillator plugins running, uh, so he's able to achieve something he could never do with an analog system. But it's still the methodology is still based in the original way. So That's he's cool. you know it's not like he's He's always been open to anything, you know, mm-hmm. but I think it's um, myself personally, too. I mean, I just love the tactile interface of analog and the unpredictable nature of it. Uh, I think for this piece, though, for, for more, he had a very specific thing in mind that could only be achieved with digital technology right now. So it's quite I mean, fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't throw any shade or judgment at that because if you're, if you've been using this, this um this instrument for so long and then all of a sudden technology says hey you know that idea that you've probably had a couple times where like what if i filled a whole like car garage full of these and and somehow could manage it all well now you can do that on a computer so um yeah why not take advantage of like not you know i asked todd barton you know how long he thought it would take to master the the beauty vocal music easel and and he said he didn't think that that it could ever truly be mastered because just the nature of of how it works and so you know i don't think mort would say he's a master but he's probably closer to you know just about anybody else living today that could be considered as such so you know oh yeah i mean i've I've watched him patching um a large bupa system Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. The name is escaping me now. Uh, I'm, I can't believe. Uh, sorry, I'm still. I've still got a bit of jet lag. But yeah, um, there's a fellow who makes some Buchla inspired modules, and he recently moved to Berlin. And is it Verbos? Yes, exactly. Mark okay, Ver- so yeah, yeah. When Mark was still in New York, we had gone there with Mark and spent an afternoon patching uh, Mark's giant Buchla system, which is full of amazing stuff. I mean, there's some uh, uh, 100 model stuff in there and uh, 200 stuff. You know, there's stuff there that still says 
um, San Francisco Tape Music Center Incorporated. Oh my God, he's got that's this so monster, cool. That is so yeah, cool. and he's got this monster system, and it was quite fascinating to watch more. He just got in there, and he was able to make these incredibly subtle, um, you know, adjustments to get just the right sounds. And um, you know, he's definitely still the master. I think of the boot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I and you know, it's funny that you bring up Mark because I have yet to reach out to Mark to ask him to be on the show, which I really want to do. And I don't know why, but I'm like super intimidated mostly because I don't have any of his modules. So I feel like a little guilty about that, but I also like, (laughs) you know, there's just certain people whose minds intimidate me and feel like I can't, I can't hang with them, but I, I need to, I need to remedy that. Um, Oh, well, you know, he was one of the first, you know, when I had gone down, uh, you know, the first sort of major shooting spree I went on for I Dreamer Wires back in 2010, and this is before I had anyone helping me. It was just myself. I I went down to New York and I had lined up that interview with Mort, but I also asked online, you know, who should I talk to in New York? And one of the first names that came up was Mark. And I went to see Mark and he was very, very gracious and spent plenty of time with me. And he hooked me up with a few other people. Well, you know, so you should go see this guy. He phoned them up and stuff. So, oh no, he's a, he's a sweetheart, that guy. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I should be over that by now because I've learned that lesson time and time again with people from our community who are just so Uh, sweet and gracious. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Mark, if you happen to be listening, I'm going to, I'm going to send a message to you soon. If you would be interested in, I think Mark just. I think he just finished doing like one of these Iron Man things, you know. Uh, oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So well, that's uh, also yeah, intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I played sure. drums I, for exercise. <laughs> right. I usually um, go for a walk around the block. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, and this is you know, this is half half cheeky playing around, but like, is, is there any desire or plan to do still dreaming of wires or anything like that to like update it or, or, you know, anything like that? Well, um, you know, uh, there is a version of the film called the hardcore edition. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I'm not sure. Uh, That's the three hour version of it. That was actually, uh, it's an interesting way the film came out. It originally came out in this three hour version. And then we cut it down to uh, about an hour and a half, I think, or something like that. That became the theatrical version. And then there was a home video version, which we had a different narrator. So there's actually three versions of it. And uh, a lot of that material did end up on, on our YouTube channel, on WaveShaper Media uh, or WaveShaper TV. Um, and we actually, we have a lot of episodes on there. We That was something that Jason and I were doing for a while and then, we just got too busy, but there's tons of awesome. stuff on I'm, there. I didn't realize that. Um, oh, I'm yeah, yeah, check yeah. that just, stuff out. That's so cool. Yeah, Wave Shaper TV. I mean, we've got a three-part series on Lori Spiegel. Lori's oh, one nice. of my absolute yes. favorite composer. She's amazing. Uh, we've got a, a Suzanne Ciani thing on there and uh, uh, all kinds of stuff. And um, there's also a few bits from – I'm not sure if you're aware, but I've got another film that we're trying to finish. Um, now that Ort's film is done – I'm going to be moving my attention and that's to electronic Voyager, which is the Bob Moog film that we did with Bob Moog's daughter, uh-huh. Michelle Moog. Okay. That, very cool. We unwisely, um, well, I'll tell you one of the things about these projects, um, it, uh, we had a lot of trouble 
uh, it's, it's a difficult topic to raise money through uh, finding broadcasters. It, it's not really something that's apparent to your average broadcaster, why anyone would be interested in this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, more, you know, being, even though he's such a pivotal figure in music history, it's not something most people, you know, most, if you go to a broadcaster and tell them about this project, um, they don't get it right. Most, most of them don't understand it. And so, um, you know, when we decided to do the film about Mort, it was mainly because, uh, we had shown I Dream of Wires in Berlin and he came along to do a, a live show in conjunction with that screening. And, uh, we spent some time with him and, and realized, boy, this guy is so interesting because when I went to see him the first time, it was just for the interview, but just chatting with him casually. And so we, we thought, you know, let, let's, let, we should just make a film about him, but we couldn't get any funding for it. So, um, we, we did a uh, crowdfunding and, uh, raised some money to at least get the film shot. But, you know, films are way more expensive than most people understand. And we just thought, you know, it's better we just get this material shot and in the can, and then we'll try to figure out a way to finish it. And that's why it took so long. And it was exactly the same problem with the Moog film. We wanted to tell the story of Bob's struggles um, in the world of business and how he was really not compatible as a business person and uh, the ups and downs of his career. And I mean, yeah, people, I can relate to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's quite a story. It's, it's a Greek tragedy. It, it's just something when eventually we get the film out, you'll understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But, um, one of the problems with that film, again, um, if we had waited until we had all the funding in place, and that can take years sometimes, you know, to get something like that happening, um, we would have lost a lot of the people, um, who were still alive. In fact, I think seven or eight of the people in the film are no longer with us. Oh my God. We have their stories and they were very important people. Mm -hmm. And so that project, I know there's a lot of people out there who uh, uh, contributed to the crowdfunding campaign of electronic Voyager that are patiently waiting. And I can tell you that the film is actually done, but we are still working on getting the money for the, uh, music rights and various things of that nature. It's quite a lot of money. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, it's in the can, it's done and it's a great story. And I'm glad that we went ahead and did it when we did it because nobody else was going to do it. And if, you know, we had waited, we would have lost half the people in the story. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's just the uh, perils of filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is, yeah. It's just, it's, I mean, I, I make my own little short films and I'm, you know, relatively new as a quote unquote filmmaker and I do my editing for this show and, um, and you know, it's, it's so funny to how surprised people are when you say, well, you know, if you shoot, you know, if you want a five minute film, you're shooting like 20 hours of footage at least. And then, you know, you're spending 60 hours, like just going through it to find the parts that you want. And then you got it, you know, it's just like then color and then sound, you know, it's just like there's, so just the technical side is so daunting, but then you start adding, you know, more moving parts, the people that you need to interview the, the, like you were mentioning the getting the licensing for the music. It's just like, it's a Herculean task, you know, and some side, yeah. sometimes like a Sisyphusian task, you know, it's just like, <laughs> well, one of the, one of the big issues with uh, 
trying to get Mort's film finished was, um, you know, his story is too complex to encapsulate in one film. And we really had to figure out what was the, what was the focus that made the most sense to, to explore with, with the average person. Because um, Mort, besides uh, his work in electronic music, has been involved in a lot of different things. Uh, he was involved in the creation of, I think it was called Director when it was first developed. It eventually became Macromedia. Um, what's it, Director? Yeah, I can't remember. This is early inter- This is early computer stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but it was you know multimedia authoring software. Uh, I think Macromedia Director became Flash or something like that. So he goes all the way back to the origins, and uh, he wow. was working. He was working on developing that at MIT, right? So there's that. He was involved in in um, he was part of the the very first group of faculty at Cal Arts, which is a very innovative um, art school in California. Yeah, I think I've had I've probably had at least yeah. twenty, but maybe more, either oh, for pre- sure. previous students or graduates on the show. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So he was involved in that. He was involved in the Electric Circus in New York, which was a very innovative. Uh, club with multimedia happening and all this kind of stuff. Uh, he was involved in children's CD-ROM software. He worked on probably one of the very first CD-ROMs from the Voyager company. It was uh, Morton Zabotnik's Making Music, which was, um, you know, like one of the absolute first CD-ROMs. Wow, uh, he also <laughs> created, um, yeah, I mean, so it goes on and on. And it's like, well, how can you tell all that without it getting diluted? So we had to go out there and basically shoot everything and it's hundreds of people that and, and travel and, to, and yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh yeah. so it's huge right and so we ended up having to try to focus the film and so what i did in the film is it's really two parallel lines there's the uh, lead up uh to the release of silver apples of the moon which was his landmark recording his first full-length recording that got a lot of attention it came out uh just before um switched on Bach and it was a number one on the classical charts. I love that. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so everything that he did after that, um, it's just long and complex, but we thought, you know, that's really the heart of the story. And I kind of was inspired, believe it or not, from uh, watching the uh, twisted sister documentary because they, they tell the story of, of, you know, their struggle right up until they release their massive hit. And that was it. That's where they stopped the story because the rest of it is not quite as compelling. You know, it's really about the struggle. So I felt that, you know, Mort's sort of struggling with his, um, you know, he was a, 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 um, a prodigy uh, on the clarinet and was mm-hmm. the youngest member of a professional orchestra. And he had this whole career in classical music. And he basically turned his back on all of that to pursue this idea that he had. And that to me was really the heart of the story. And all the other accomplishments he did is something that, you know, people might want to check out after they see the film, you know? Yeah. But sure. yeah, I mean, that, that making, making these, these films, it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean the, you know, documentary is a weird thing because you just don't know what you're going to have until you go out and shoot and you just try to shoot everything. Yeah. I was going to say like, I, I mean, I know there's like, there is a uh, a quote unquote writing process as far as you know as go- going into you know documentary filmmaking, but you know, and then there's the you know finding the story and the edit approach and and all of this. But like, yeah, it it it's got to just be 
exciting but equally terrifying to like go into something this massive not really knowing how it's going to all be or did you have like did you do all this research and then have an idea of how you're going to stitch things together or was it a little bit of both like yeah i mean i did my best to uh, read up on everything i could i mean that really um uh you know jason and i uh lined up all these interviews with this i you know making sure that we captured all these pivotal points but then once we've got all that um you're almost starting from scratch again because now you've got all this material and you've got to try to figure it out. And, uh, you know, the technique I use is, is a, you have a stack of index cards where you've got basically every topic, every person, and you just try to figure out what the storyline is. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, one of the things about these projects, it's a, it's a good thing and also a dangerous thing uh, when you're working on a completely independent project that nobody, um, has a gun at your head, you know, waiting for, there's no deadline. You can take your time to try to figure it out. And, and, you know, that gives you that freedom to try to condense it into, you know, a, a statement of some sort that makes sense. I mean, I work in, you know, in, in uh, broadcast as well. And so I, I also do projects where you've got only X amount of time to deliver and it's a completely different way of doing stuff. So the, the, these projects are, crazy because they they can drag on and on um but they they also allow you to really um do it uh with an eye uh on being as honest as possible yeah and not compromising i mean i dream of wires was a uncompromised project it was really for synth nerds but it had a lot of you know a lot of people saw it i, I was kind of surprised somebody once posted on facebook um that they were on air emirates and it was showing you know on the uh they had oh, it on the plane. It's kind of insane awesome. to me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> one of my one of my absolute favorite pictures that somebody sent me. Um, there was a screening somewhere in rural Mexico. Wow! And they sent me a photograph of a whole bunch of people sitting out in a field with a big screen, and it said, "You know, I dream of wires," and it's all these people in a village watching this film. And I thought, "Wow, that's." crazy that's so cool uh, yeah yeah that was just weird. the unexpected <laughs> things that you get out of you know putting the time in on on something like this i love that um so this the speaking of time this is flying by we're already over a half an hour and i know you've got a lot going on um <laughs> but i i'm curious i just and you know this will be a bit of a uh, uh a gaseous nebulous question but i kind of want to hear anything that you would like to to say or whatever this this comes to makes makes come to mind for you but like the the time that you spent with more making this and up till now and like just what's this experience been like what what what's been the the thesis statement of of the experience of you of you doing this project Mort has to be one of the most inspiring people i've ever met um I like to think of him as like a father figure in some ways. Yeah. Um, and, and it's also very surreal for me because he's been a name that's been in my life since I was 14. Like I mentioned, mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, this name would, was so always cool. there in the background. That is so and, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, having a chance to uh, become, you know, friends with him has been really wonderful. And uh, he, he's just such an interesting guy and, and a warm warm man you know very unpretentious um 
a, you know, a very deep thinker. We have all kinds of, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm come from a working class background and, and, um, I'm fairly well read, you know, I went to university and everything, but I'm not an intellectual in any way. Um, but we have some, you know, he's, <laughs> you know, we have some really interesting conversations and, um, you know, I, before I got into filmmaking, I, I was, um, in astrophysics in university. And so he's interested in all that stuff. I mean, we have big discussions about the nature of, of the cosmos and, and, uh, he's just such an interesting guy. And, and also again, I mean, he's a, a, super intellectual way beyond my capacities, but he doesn't make you feel that way. He's, you know, just a very open guy and, and, uh, you know, wonderful. And I, I had a chance to spend some time with him when he was teaching at NYU too, and could see uh, the passion he has for education for young people. Uh, so just such an inspiring guy because um, I, I think, you know, he, sometimes I get, you know, I, I I've had similar temptations to go off and just do commercial work. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, that's part of his story that, you know, being somebody in the early or the mid late sixties with access to a synthesizer, there were all kinds of opportunities to make a ton of money doing really simple things, but it was so novel that um, there were, you know, there were all kinds of opportunities to make all kinds of money in, in, you know, he talks about that in the film, how, you know, he was really struggling with that, that it, you know, and that he had to walk away from that because it, 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 um, it was too tempting and that he was getting more joy out of doing things that he was making pennies on, you know? And, uh, so, I mean, I, that was very inspiring and you know, he's done fine for himself since then, but just staying focused on, on some kind of mission, I think was really inspiring. And, um, you know, I hope to keep making these small independent films, even though they're a real struggle. Um, you know, I'm, I've still got to pay my bills and everything, and I, I do other commercial work on the side. But really, um, you know, just finding something to devote your yourself to and and keeping true to that is is been the biggest takeaway I've had from hanging out with Mort. And uh, he's I just a that. wonderful guy. <laughs> That's such a it's such a gift you know, and it's generous and, 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 and it's not just a one way street. Cause obviously like you're, you're being generous with your time and also, you know, like making this, you know, this film, you know, to, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but in a way, you know, like a way of documenting and preserving his legacy for, you know, when, when we're gone, you know, when you and I are gone and, you know, people can keep checking it out. So, that's just really, really sweet to hear. Um, and it, it's funny, like I have, I feel like I have like a 10th of a percent of what you just, dis- not, not a 10th of a percent because for any reason other than I don't get to spend as much time. Um, but I'm not sure if you're, you know, Todd Barton. Oh yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I, I, I feel that way. Like Todd's been on the show a couple times and we have hung out think three or four times, you know, at, at, together at, at things we were both like on the bill for or something. And he's just one of those people, again, he, very much like how you're describing more, just extraordinarily smart, but also doesn't make you feel like you can't keep up with him, even though I probably can't. Um, so generous with his time and just such a passion to just share 
this knowledge, enthusiasm, and love. Um, and I've, I feel like out of the, you know, I, I have taken stuff away from short conversations with Todd that have stayed with me for a really long time. And I actually told him that the last time we were, we were hanging out. Cause I was like, um, I was like mediate. I don't know if that's the word, but he was doing a talk and I was recording it for the show. So I was kind of presenting him to the audience and then asking questions and stuff. Um, and he brought, and I, I can't come, I can't think of it right now. And I, I don't want to try to, you know, meander too far, but yeah, th- there was something that he had mentioned and then a kind of a light bulb went off in my head and I was kind of like to him, like, you know, you were talking about this and it made me think of this. And, you know, this was five years ago, we had our first talk and this one thing, it's not just in my creative approach to synthesis, but this thing has this piece of wisdom, you know, about listening. It was most about listening and pre- presence and stuff. Um, like it, 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 it went straight into the core of, of the, the, the equation of trying to figure out the best way to be in this reality or something, you know, not, not to get, this sounds very heady and kind of maybe sappy or overly sentimental, but I can't express it without sounding that way. And, and yeah, the way you were just describing your experience made me, made me think of that a little bit. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, they're, they are universal things that anyone can apply to whatever they're into. And just, you know, I, I think what inspires me about Mort is just a life well lived, you know, a life with purpose. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it really, you know, makes you um, take stock of, you know, the kinds of things that sometimes cloud your mind and, and you know, try to give yourself some clarity sometimes and, and some courage, you know, to keep trying to do something that, that enhances your enjoyment of being alive, you know, Mm -hmm. we have. Yeah. 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 That's, it's, it's really, it's really a beautiful thing. And, you know, you know, kind of going back to your, your uh, description of these, these kind of surprising things that you didn't hadn't imagined happening as a result of the film. When I started the show, I had an idea of what it could be if it became successful and what it actually turned out to be. And for lack of a better term, what I have gotten out of it, has been so much more rewarding and meaningful than any sort of financial or, or, um, you know, like, uh, status gain or something like that. Uh, it's, it's, and it's the relationships that I've been able to make. And some oh, of yeah, the I mean, closest people have been because they were guests on the show and now we're really close friends and yeah. I mean, meet, meeting cool people has been my number one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> motivation. I mean, uh, it's just a great excuse to like um, meet all the heroes from my childhood. And, and it's been really wonderful. I mean, working on the Moog film was really interesting too, because I, I got to meet Jean-Michel Jarre. Nice. And, you know, he, even he saw I Dream of Wires. He didn't realize we were the same guys until yeah, he, yeah. You know, Mich- <laughs> Michelle mentioned it. And he came over and he was all excited and that, that really felt good. And, you know, I've, I've met Rick Wakeman, you know, and uh, I was, I was a big Prague fan when I was a kid. So, uh, all that stuff's great. Uh, and again, something about synth people, you know, they seem to be very nice people. And I, I don't, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I you know, that's, that's definitely a topic to uh, explore, but I, I don't know what it is about synth people that makes them, uh, I've you know, there's some very interesting about this things. A lot. I have, I have some yeah. theories, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, even, um, 
And again, I, I mean, I've, I've had more than one person talk about how they use the machine to reinvent themselves. Mm, There's something like about synthesizers. Like yeah, I mean, more talks about that. But I've, I've met a lot of people, um, you know, who uh, see the synthesizers kind of this transformative thing. Um, I mean, I don't hear a lot of guitarists talk that way. It's just interesting. I don't know what it is. That could be a topic for some for some other film. I think part, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well, part of just what you were saying with it, I think, is be, there's there's a level of collaboration. There's a level of surrender that you have to, you know, learn um, or, or become comfortable with uh, in, in regards to expectation versus outcome you know if you play a g chord through on a guitar through a, a twin reverb it's going to sound like a you know but if you go in to make your your patch or something you might not get to where you want to go and if you become comfortable with that you may find yourself in a cool place that is you know way better than the place that you thought you were going to go and something you never could have imagined and i think that translates that sound like there are life experiences that are like that oftentimes more often than not from my experience. And I think just by doing this regularly, it's a, it's a mini practice of sorts. Like I've talked about a patch being a Tibetan mandala, you know, it's like the sand painting that's wiped away at the end or something. People are probably very tired of me saying that. Um, but going back to the, uh, um, the idea of, what is it about synth people? Because what this is something I experienced. I was, I started Podular Modcast as somebody who had been into modular for a couple months and had a handful of modules, and I knew nothing about this world. You know, like it was all fresh. But I, that was kind of the conceit of the show. Okay, let's learn about this with me. Come on my journey. Um, and I was very, very intimidated to you know ask people to come on and, and, you know, um, and div kid, Ben, um, reached out to me when he saw that I announced on Twitter or something, Hey, I'm doing this show. And he reached out to me in a private DM and said, Hey, I, you know, I, I think this is cool if you ever want a guest or something. And I was like, Oh, I was going to wait a year until I had like some, <laughs> something to back me up to ask. So yeah, he was one of my, early, and, and that has just echoed throughout. Um, so like, you know, like I should like talking about Mark Verbos earlier, like why I, I know this now I shouldn't feel this, 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 this like nervousness about approaching somebody. But, um, I think maybe there's a couple reasons I think that might be, and I, and I'd be interested to hear what you think of this, but one, I, I think there, there's no rock stardom. There's no worldwide superstar status to be gained. Um, and I think people, you know, if that's your goal, this isn't the world you're going to be gravitating towards. Um, I also think that, especially in the ter in terms of like modular and modular synthesis or experimental music, um, it's obs it's obscure enough and niche enough to where when you find somebody else who is in it into it. You, you know you can't afford to be standoffish or too cool for school be, and but but not not i don't even think that's a conscious thing i think it's more of a an it's there's just an enthusiastic spirit about it because there's deep love for it and to be able to share that love with other people is relatively rare 
in, in your everyday world. So I think, I think that's a huge part of it. You can't be a rock star. And if, if, if you want to come into the, 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 the synth room, then we want you there because we want to talk. We, we want to talk to you just as bad as you want to talk to us type thing. And I, 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 that's just kind of something I've been pontificating on over the last six years or so doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think in particular with, uh, modular stuff that, um, you know, you don't have that keyboard in front of you and the metaphor of what the keyboard represents. Instead, you've got this blank slate. You've got a, um, you know, uh, a, a medium without a message built in. This, this is something Moore talks a lot about, Marshall McLuhan, and how, um, you know, the medium is the message, but with a modular, uh, there, there is, there is no built in message. It, it, it has, it's That's sort of good, this blank. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's a blank slate. Um, it, 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 you, you approach this thing and it's, it's completely, um, without any sort of preconception, you know, when you have a keyboard in front of you, you want to start playing traditional music. I mean, it sort of invites that even if you can do whatever you want with it, just the metaphor of the keyboard kind of locks you into that in a way. And, you know, I think the thing with modular is um, you've just got this thing that allows you to be musically expressive, but in a, you know, in a very individualistic way and also a way that doesn't require, I mean, sure, there's prodigies out there, I'm sure, but, you know, <laughs> who know how to patch, but anybody can get some pleasure and enjoyment out of this thing, if, even if they don't yeah. know anything about music, about notes. It's just, you know, this machine that you interact with and again marshall McLuhan says that whole thing about you know we build the machines and the machines build us mm -hmm. so you you've got this thing patched but you're getting something back and you know it's um it's definitely uh, fascinating and i think it attracts people that are just really explorers and you know you tend to gravitate to other explorers i think that's probably why we yeah. get along so well with each other yeah definitely <laughs> Well, we're coming around uh, to to an hour here, so I wanted to give you the last bit to, um, you know, let everybody know when, where, how to to see the film. I, I think it's premiering as of today uh, in three days on Friday. Uh, on Friday, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, sorry, sorry. It's uh, Friday is when Mort's doing a live show here in Toronto, and then Saturday night uh, we're going to be showing it at the Hot Dog Cinema in Toronto. Uh, there are some other uh, screenings coming up in the U.S. Uh, we're trying to book the film. Mort's doing a few more dates in the U.S. Uh, he's playing in L.A., San Francisco, San Antonio. Um, I'm not sure where else, but I've got some dates lined up at theaters around the time he'll be there. But once this whole, like I'm involved in organizing the concerts, so I'm a little swamped right now, but we are going to be doing uh, probably about six months of theatrical screenings and then hopefully it'll be streaming at some point home video release at some point I, i'm not really sure yet it's hard okay. to know but um right now well, we are self-distributing the film so if anybody wants to see the film uh, in a particular place best thing to do is to go to our website wavesapermedia.com and just contact us there and let us know oh you'd love to see the film and we will try to see what we can do um or if you have a particular cinema that you think might be open to this sort of thing, we will try and get a screening happening. Awesome. Um, hopefully sometime next year we will do a streaming release. We're not sure who's going to pick it up yet. We're still working on that. 
Awesome. Well, the, that's the good thing about the the self release is you you can kind of yeah. you can kind of do it in different ways along the way until it's fully out there. So cool. And I'll put the links to everything in uh, in the show description so people can check that out. And then finally, I always like to give the last uh, few minutes to uh, let the uh, let the guests scream anything they would like from the modular mountaintops, and it can yeah whatever that whatever that whatever that makes conjures up in your ma- mind. Oh gosh, I mean, I'm yeah on the spot. I, I, that so yeah, but oh yeah, well I, I'm you know I'm I'm still um, I'm still exploring the modular world myself. I've had to take a bit of a break. I get I get too much into different things. I'm also into astronomy and astrophotography, which is a very very deep mm-hmm. and complex uh, endeavor. And I've had to put all that stuff aside for the last six months to concentrate on getting the film out. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling the itch to get back into uh, you know, doing some sound work and, um, you know, uh, I, I'm also trying to do some, um, uh, well, when you see the film, you'll see all this liquid light imagery that my son Aiden does. And nice. so we are collaborating on a, on a installation piece. So I'm, I'm hoping to sort of dabble in, you know, in some of that sort of stuff. Uh, using modular uh, equipment to create soundscapes and stuff like nice. that. Okay. Um, so it, it hasn't, um, you know, I haven't gotten bored with it. Uh, it's been very, very exciting. I never thought I would ever have a chance in my life to use a modular synthesizer. I mean, modular synthesizer to me was something I saw on the cover of those records so many years ago. Yeah. And I finally got my hands on a synthesizer. It was a sequential circuits pro one which I still love to use. Nice. Actually, um, I've got one. You, it's, you oh, can fantastic. see this yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. a pro one. It's not mine. It's my friend's, but I've had it for a while. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, I barely uh, use that. I need to mess with it. There was a long period of time in the nineties when I was actually playing the drums and, and in a, uh, sort of a slow core. I don't know if that word means anything to people. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. a bit of an older guy. So yeah, you know, I was really into the Red House Painters and bands like that, and I was totally not into electronic music for such a long time, and um, it really kind of hit me again in the late twenty twenty, you know, the late two thousands, early twenty tens, and now I'm just like totally, um, you know, obsessed with it again. Yeah, and it's wonderful that um, I can explore it with these new tools. With, with, yeah, they're still extremely exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm still got the bug for sure. That's so cool. <laughs> well, again, I will put all the links in the show description, but thank you so much for your time. And thank you for the yeah, films that you are making. There's not a lot of film films made in our, in our world. So it's, I think it's a really exciting, exciting thing. And uh, I'm glad there's somebody out there like you doing it. So yeah. Oh, thanks very much. It. And I, I, um, I, I'm glad that there's an audience out there. It's hard to, uh, it's, it's not an obvious audience, and I, I'm always convinced there's people out there that want to watch these films. It's hard to convince distributors. I'm hoping when we release Electronic Voyager, that's three feature documentaries. I'm hoping after that uh, we might be able to get a film properly funded so we can you know, we can get it out in a year instead of seven or eight years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Keep me in the loop on all things Wave Shaper Media. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to... Uh to dig into that stuff you mentioned earlier on your, on your web, on your YouTube channel. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That out. There's tons of stuff. There's actually a really cool, uh, couple of, of, uh, shorts we did when I went to Iceland and oh, explored nice. the 
there. So, so yeah, okay. there's some really cool. cool stuff on there. So yeah, check it out. Very cool. <laughs> well, thanks again for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming back to Podular Modcast. Thank you to Robert from Wave Shaper Media for coming on the show. Thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time, then welcome. A big thanks to Patchworks, Novation, After Later Audio, and ForumS for their continued support. Speaking of support, if you'd like to help out, head over to patreon.com forward slash podularmodcast or podularmodcast.com and check out the store. This week's secret word is mort. Until next week.